0: For the rest of us here, we're going to open our Bibles to First Samuel, chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 1 through 16 today. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. as they were coming home when david returned from striking down the philistine the women or the women came out all of all the cities of israel singing and dancing to meet king saul with tambourines with songs of joy and with musical instruments and the women sang to one another as they celebrated saul has struck down his thousands and david his 10,000s and saul was very angry And this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the the lyre. As he did by day, Excuse me. As he did day by day, Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled it, hurled it to, her, excuse me, hurled the spear, for he thought, "I will pin David to the wall." But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in. Before the people, and David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fear for all of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So in today's passage, there's one thing that is very clear: we see the dichotomy of emotions and behaviors between. between friendships here. Uh, Both of these relationships that we see before us, David and Jonathan, and then also Saul and David, we have to categorize them as friendships. And I know that's hard to categorize because one looks like what we would want in a friendship, that would be Saul and David, or excuse me, David and Jonathan. And I'll talk more about that here in a minute. But on the other one, it's hard to imagine that even being a friendship. And I'm speaking about Saul and David. But through David's friendship with Jonathan, we see the building blocks for a true friendship. Uh, Through his relationship with Saul, we see a pattern of discord that usually is accompanied with division. So, not only do both relationships teach us about our own personal relationships with each other, but I would say more importantly, they point us to our relationship that we have with the Lord. You see, the two greatest commandments point us to the most important friendships that we have. The first most important friendship that we should have is with the Lord, and then the second is with each other. And I don't know about you, but if friendships are that important, then we should really consider what the Bible says about them. So I want to take a closer look to gain a better understanding of this passage. And uh, my my prayer this morning is that the Lord give us wisdom uh, to understand, a conviction to stir our hearts and also courage to respond, because it does take courage to walk in God's truths. First of all, when I look at this passage, and if I'm going to exegete it, so to speak, I, I have to start off with David's relationship with the royal family. After David had slayed Goliath, that's what we learned about last week with Pastor Laramie. and did a great job on that sermon. But after he slayed the giant, he was summoned to meet with Saul. And we see that in verse 1 of chapter 18. And I want to reread that just so that we can get some context here. It says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, That's a really interesting verse because, uh, first of all, David was summoned to speak with Saul. I'm sure Saul was congratulating him on the battle against Goliath, telling him he did a great job. And also, any time Saul recognized a, a, a strong warrior, Scripture says that he grabbed him and put him in his army. And we see here that as soon as he saw David's potential, he put him as the commander of his army. And after their discussion, there is a meeting between David and Jonathan. Now, Scripture hadn't said that they met before, but we know from Scripture that Jonathan was a mighty warrior. He was a young, strong, brave, mighty warrior, and a warrior recognized another warrior. And so, they have all this in common: their age, their 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 you know their youth, uh, their wit, their strength, their 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 courage, and They were knitted together. They became friends. And that's what the scripture is telling us. And what's unique about this relationship is that, as you'll see, as we continue to go on, this wasn't just like a a fake friendship, so to speak. This was a true friendship. See, David and Jonathan's relationship was a true reflection of the second greatest commandment. And what is that? Well, to love your neighbor as yourself. To have friends like that is rare. Very, very rare. That's the kind of friendship we all desire, but it is, is so hard to find. I think part of our problem is that we search for that type of friendship as if it's found in another person. right? We're, we're looking for someone else to complete us, to, uh, to be strong where we lack, um, you know, to be the person we're not, to make us feel good whenever we don't. We're always looking to fulfill our friendships in somebody else like it. We need somebody else to complete us. But the truth is, God has already completed us, right? And the truth is also that friendships like this are not dependent on you finding someone else to complete you, but rather it's two people who are willing to treat each other with love, humility, and respect, If we're only looking for someone to complete us, then we fail to see our responsibility in a friendship. And so we see here, we see a true friendship as it should be between David and Jonathan. And we see humility, we see love, we see respect. We see that in verses 3 and 4. Take a look at what happens. It says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. See, the details of the covenant are not disclosed here. They're, they're just, I, don't, I haven't seen where we find out where this covenant, the details of this covenant that David and Jonathan made together. But we know that foundationally, it was an agreement between the two men to show love, humility, and forgiveness towards one another. Uh, the, the whole symbolism of Jonathan stripping himself of his robe, his armor, his sword, his bow, his belt, all that symbolize his dedication to David, his friend. But what's awesome here is it also showed his dedication to David, his king. See, Jonathan was the son of the king he was the next one, or he was the one who was next in line to take over the kingdom. But he recognized something in David. I'm not sure, as part of this covenant agreement, that David revealed what God had done what, through Samuel and, and that anointing he had. I'm not, we're not sure of those details. But somehow, some way, this is Jonathan humbling himself before David, not only as his friend, but recognizing Yes, I understand my dad does not walk in the ways of the Lord. And God, through his sovereign choice, has selected a king for himself. And you are my king. Think about that. For him to go against his father because it was the right thing to do. It was the Lord working in his heart to recognize that David was not only his friend, but David, that David would be his king. Now, unfortunately, David would never have a chance to be his king because Jonathan would die with his dad as king on the battlefield. But that's regardless of the point. He's acknowledging God's sovereign choice to choose a king for himself. Now, this friendship was the opposite of the relationship that Saul had with David. Uh, We see in Scripture that Saul became jealous of David's success. Why? Because it eclipsed his own. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of the, all the cities of Israel singing and dancing. And basically, this is what they were singing. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. David heard that, and he became upset. Even though he was part of the celebration, the people recognized the anointing David had. Saul recognized that David was being praised, and David was being praised more than him And scripture says that he became jealous and he became angry. See, David had the favor of God and also the favor of the people. What's interesting about this is that if you go back several chapters, whenever David met Saul, it said that Saul loved him. So that's why I say this was a friendship. And you're going to see how this continues to be a friendship because Even as time goes on and Saul treats David badly, there is respect. There's a respect that David has for Saul and he never crosses the line to take him down because he is the Lord's anointed one. And so David always shows humility towards Saul. He's always faithful towards Saul, even when Saul tries to kill him over and over again. It is a friendship. It's just not one that we desire. And what's wrong with this friendship is that it's filled with sin. See, initially Saul loved David, but now he's angry with him. Why? Well, because of jealousy. There's a jealous rage that is going on that is growing in his heart. I don't know about you, but for, for me, that shows, us, uh, shows me the power that anger can hold. Unrighteous anger can turn love for a friend into hatred, for that same friend in an instant. See Saul's jealousy along with the harmful spirit from God. Turned him into basically a monster. Even when David was ministering to him. With the lyre. Remember that's how they got rid of that harmful spirit. David would play the lyre and it would ease him. And it would calm him down. And the harmful spirit would leave him alone for a time. Wouldn't come back and bother him. And David is... Saul suffering from this harmful spirit David is playing the lyre and we see that Saul has a spear in his hand and he throws it not once but twice and and, and his thought is I'm going to pin David against the wall because he is getting more glory than I so instead of being David's friend Saul was fearful of David and he really never trusted him again So that gives you some context, but let's take out some biblical truths out of this passage. And as we take out these biblical truths, we're going to recognize some true things about friendships. It's important for us to focus on verse 14. We need to really focus on the fact that in both relationships, the Lord was with David. That's awesome to know. In both relationships. It says here in verse 13 and 14, um, and David had success in all his understandings, or excuse me, in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. I think that's verse 14. David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. See, in David's relationship with Jonathan, we see the Lord's presence. We see the Lord there in that relationship because of what it symbolized, and really the way it functioned. See, we can't help but see David and Jonathan's relationship as an allegory of God's relationship with his people. Remember, David was this Christ-like figure in, in this story. He's the one who had saved the nation for, by defeating Goliath, just as Christ saved us by defeating sin. And in return, Jonathan was knitted heart and soul to David for what he did. He humbled himself and gave all of himself to him. As I look at that, I recognize something there. That is the relationship that the church is to have with Christ. Christ is our savior. Christ is our champion. When you look at the word champion in the Bible, it's one who stands in between. We had Goliath. We had sin. We had death. We had all those things. We had the enemy. We had all those things coming against us. And we were fearful like the Israelites. And it took Christ to come down to do what we could not do. Jonathan recognized that David did this because even Jonathan was a brave warrior, a brave soldier. And yet he was not willing to go down there and fight Goliath. But when David did and he defeated him, he was knitted hard and soul to David. And he humbled himself. And that is, again, the relationship that the church is to have with Christ. As far as the way their friendship function, we see that they establish a covenant with one another. Now, a covenant is a bond or an agreement between it can be between two people or more. But in this case, it's between two people to fulfill a promise. Each one has a responsibility. A, co- a covenant is also the way in which God establishes friendships with his people in the Bible. And I do not use the word friendship as a derogatory term when it comes to God. It, it, when God is our friend or when we say God is our friend, he is still our God. It just means we have peace with him. And again, not by anything that we've done, but by the blood of Christ. Christ. But we see that when God establishes friendships, he uses a covenant. And I have a friend, Pastor Laramie and I have a friend, and there's other people here who are friends with him too. He is simply referred to as Cali, And Callie says this about the Old, covenant, uh, the, the Old Testament covenants. He says, in general, the Old Testament, Old Testament covenants say, do this and live. But the New Testament covenant says, live and do this. So when God makes a covenant with somebody, the agreement in the Old Testament always seems to be, if you do this, then I will do this. In the New Testament, God says, I have done this, so you do this. You see, our friendship with God is established by the covenant he has established with us. And this, this is the terms of the covenant. Believe upon the Lord, and you will be saved. We are to believe he is to save. Since we have been saved, then we are to walk in his ways. Also, from a functionality standpoint, when you look at David and Jonathan's relationship, we see the framework for the way our earthly friendships are to be. As I said already before, we, David and Jonathan, they had a friendship where you, could, where you saw that they loved their neighbor as themselves. Well, that's our calling is to love our neighbor as ourselves. In David's and Jonathan's or excuse me, in David and Saul's relationship, we must acknowledge that we've played a part. Excuse me, I already I missed a point. Let me back up just a second. So we not acknowledge that we must love our neighbor as ourselves. I don't want to miss this point because it's very important. In David's relationship with Saul, we learn something different. You see, I think that whenever we first see that relationship, our initial reaction to Saul is that we want to condemn him, and we want to condemn him out of self-righteousness. We see his actions, and we're like, man, what a horrible friend he is. I, I would never do anything that David is, that Saul is doing to David. We, we may look at him and say, he's not even a friend of all, at all. He, in, in, in fact, he's, I see him as David's enemy. Why doesn't David just do something to him? It's not fair what's going on. So we, we look at Saul, and I think we tend to look at Saul that way throughout all of uh, 1 Samuel. But we look at Saul with self-righteousness. But we know that we Can't do that because we have sin as well. Told you that was an important paragraph there. From David and Saul's relationship, this is what we must acknowledge. We must acknowledge that we've played both parts at one point or another. You see, we have sinned against our friends because we have not always treated them as the word of God commands us. And we have been sinned against our friends. Me personally I stand before you and I will admit to every single one of you because I consider you all of my friends. We are the church we have a bond, a bond that is unbreakable and I personally have never had a friend that has not sinned against me. But on the flip side, nor have I been a friend that has not sinned against them. We tend to look at friendships one way and if somebody does us wrong, we can't believe it. We don't understand it. It's hard for us to understand why somebody would do something like that to us. Why someone would sin against us. And sometimes we get too personal, too self-centered about it. And we forget how we have sinned against other people. But listen, we mainly forget how we have sinned against Christ. See, supposedly, Saul loved David, but it didn't seem that way. His jealousy of David led him to anger, and that anger towards David turned into attempted murder, not once, but twice. In return, David acted in love, in humility, and forgiveness. And he did this all the way to the very end with his friend. You see, as sinners, as sinners, we are all responsible for the death of our best friend and savior. None of us are innocent. We look at Saul, and we're like, how, how can he? David is ministering to him with the leer, and then he picks up a spear and he throws it at him. And David still is trying to minister to him. And he does it again. So how can Saul? Attempt to murder the guy who is helping him. How can Saul attempt to murder his friend? Well, listen to this very carefully. You and I, when we murdered our best friend and our Savior, we we didn't throw a spear at him. But the consequences of our sins nailed him to the cross. And guess what? We didn't miss Why? Because he didn't move. He went to the cross with a purpose. To die. To die for those who didn't deserve to live. To die for the sins of all of his people. We're all guilty of murdering our best friend and Savior. And in response, for those who are in Christ, in response, we didn't receive condemnation like we should. We did something horrible. We didn't receive death. Rather, just the opposite. God showed us love, humility, and forgiveness. So as we look at these truths that are exposed by, that are exposed in this passage, let's talk about some application. We recognize that in both of these relationships that the Lord was with David. In the relationship that was wonderful and to experience and that, that, that he cherished, the Lord was there. Because you could see the symbolism. You could see the Lord moving in that relationship. The fruit of the spirit between the two men. David and Jonathan, on the flip side, even in that difficult friendship between Saul and David, the Lord was there, the Lord was present. Because that gave David an opportunity to grow spiritually, to learn how to forgive, to learn to be patient, to learn to be long-suffering. You see, we have friendships of many kinds and of different degrees, and guess what? As the Lord was with David... The Lord is with you. When we look at our friendships, first and foremost, we are to have a friendship with the Lord. But going down from there, we have our friendship with our spouse. That's a vital friendship there. A lot of people think, well, he or she is not my friend. We're we're husband and wives." As if the two cannot connect or be intertwined, no, when it comes to earthly relationships, your husband and your, or your wife is your best friend. You should be knitted together, heart and soul. So we have our friendship with our spouse. We have our friendship with our kids. We have our friendship with our family members. Then we have our friendships with Friends who are like family. We have our friendships within the church because we all have that common bond. We also have friends at work. We have friends everywhere. In each of these relationships, it is important to know that the Lord is with you. Why is it important to know that the Lord is with you? Because although friendships are a blessing, no one needs to... This is not news to anybody. Although they are a blessing, they are not without their difficulty. See, we have picked up bad habits in Christian friendships. We've picked up these bad habits from the world. If the friendship becomes too difficult, doesn't meet our standards, or too one-sided, then we drop those friends in search of new ones. Or some people are so jaded, they don't want anyone. It's just like, nope, I can't stand being hurt anymore. I can't stand going through this anymore. I can't stand being vulnerable anymore. I just cannot stand being around people, letting people in. So then, therefore, I am just going to separate myself from everyone and I'm finally going to be happy. And then we're not happy. Some even go as far to separate themselves from the Lord, they run so far and they forget the friends that they need and they even forget the lord and they're just running and running and running as i look at that i think we should be more like 3 year olds my son justice his best friend theo two pastor sons they love to be together but they also have a problem being together. I'm, my son, after maybe a day or two when he's not with Theo, he's like, where's my Theo? Where's my Theo? As Soon as jo- Theo sees justice, it's, it's like a big reunion. Like they never, you know, they've been apart for years and they get to see each other and they start playing. At their age, I would say that they're best friends. They love each other, but they also butt heads a lot. One minute they're getting along, the next minute one of them is crying because of something the other one did. And sometimes they need a little bit of space. We just spent spring break together, they were together for four days, they needed a lot of space sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes they need a little bit of space and time, but they are quick to forgive what the other one has done. When it comes to conflict, we need to be more like three-year-olds. We need to learn to forgive as fast as they do. We need to learn to forgive as completely as they do. And then you may say, well, they're three years old. They don't understand forgiveness. Well, I'll tell you this. They might be babies. And maybe they don't know everything about forgiveness. But their actions are sure sure much better than a lot of adults. Who are supposed to know about forgiveness. They do a better job than a lot of us at forgiving. See, knowing that the Lord is with you in your relationships, good or bad, reminds you of what a true friendship is to be. A lot of us think friendships are good times. Friendships are peaceful times. Things that we have in common with other people, which is That's what we look for. And if we don't have that in that friend, then we're quick to leave and we're quick to find somebody else where we can just find peace and comfort. But in reality, is that loving your neighbor as yourself? I don't know about you, but sometimes I can't stand myself. And sometimes you're not going to be able to stand your neighbor. But that does not give you the reason or the right to walk away that does not give you the reason or the right to seclude yourself. We must know that the Lord is with us. And again, he reminds us of what a true friendship is to be, one that is founded on love, one that is founded on humility, one that is founded on forgiveness. On the other hand, knowing that the Lord is with you also helps you to deal with difficult situations when they arise within your friendships. Difficulty will arise because you are a sinful person and you're trying to do life with another sinful person. That's the biggest problem in marriage. Did you know that? It's not money. It's not material things. The biggest problem in your marriage and any other friendship you have is you're a selfish person. And the other person that you're friends with, they're a selfish person. And two selfish people are trying to do life together. But we don't recognize that. We only recognize the other person's selfishness. The other person's sin. And we don't realize how sinful and how selfish we are. See, when difficulty arises because we are sinful people, we must learn that peace must overcome hatred. We must, as Christians, learn to live peaceably with one another, keeping in mind that the goal of our friendship is the glory of God and not the glory of ourself. As Christians, we are called to walk in love for the purpose of building up relationships with other Christians. The Bible says that we must function as individual parts of one body. True friendships are not built when everything is going well. Families, the strength of a family is not not built on good times. Friendships are forged in the fire of sin, mercy, and forgiveness. That's where the bond gets stronger. But guess what? When, where there is sin, where there is mercy, and where there is forgiveness, there's ugly situations. You see, if our calling is to walk in love and to function as one body, then we must not only seek out those qualities that build relationships, but we must also actively abstain from those things that could cause division between us. If you want to know how you, t- how you are to treat your, your, your friend, there are plenty of scriptures in the Bible for that. In fact, the New Testament is filled with encouragement, commands from the Lord for us to be united rather than be divided. And lastly, most importantly, we must know that we have a true friend in Christ. We, we really do. Out of all of our relationships, his is the most, our relationship with him is the most important. He is not only our Lord, but he is also our friend. As our friend, he knows everything about us, and yet he loves us. He has been completely faithful to us, even when we have not been faithful to him. He is the ultimate example that we must follow in our friendships. I, as I was doing my study, I, this, this passage, this sermon has been heavy on my heart. Thinking about my own friendships. Thought about my friendship with my wife through the years. We just celebrated anniversary and, you know, we, have nev- we haven't always been best friends, but I, I can say we are now. And as I look at this passage and I see both sides of, of friendships, I see David and Jonathan and then I see David and Saul. I'm like, man, I I've played both roles with, with her. I, I, I've never tried to kill her physically. But the hatred, the hatred in my heart, sometimes I did. And the same is true for her to me. You know, one of the things that's hardest for me is to trust somebody. I usually keep a real close circle. I have been that way for years, and it's to my detriment many times, or it has been. The Lord is uh, showing me a new way, He has been for a long time. In fact, Ever since I've gotten into ministry, which is already 20 years, he's torn down these walls inside of me of not trusting people and not letting people in and really just trying to just escape and just be by myself with my own thoughts. At least if someone tells me, if I'm alone, someone tells me I'm crazy, it's, it's me doing it, you know. And as I've made friends with all of you, it leaves me very vulnerable, also leaves you vulnerable. A pastor has many friends, right, because a pastor is a friend to everyone. I think Laramie can attest to that, Brother David can attest to that. The church, people within the church, they can kind of pick and choose who they hang out with. One of the hardest things that has happened through all my years of ministry is whenever I form friendships and then they just dissolve. And I will admit my part in it, there's been times where I've sinned against that person, knowingly and unknowingly. That's what happens a lot of times when you're a pastor. Sometimes somebody will be mad at you and you don't even know why. I'm not saying all this so that you can feel sorry for me. It's just the way it is. Same thing happens in relationships with you. That sister, that brother is not talking to you. You notice a difference and you're like, what's going on? Well, you didn't shake my hand last Sunday. You didn't tell me I, I, I look great in this outfit this day. You didn't like my picture on Facebook. Go on and on and on, silly reasons. That's why I say three-year-olds are better dealing with conflict than we are. Because a three-year-old, I've watched, I've watched uh, Theo and I've watched Justice. I've seen both of them grab a toy and smack each other on the head. They cry, they walk away. Five minutes later they come back and they're playing again. How would you do if your brother or sister next to you grabbed your a toy and smacked you on the head with it? You probably wouldn't talk to them for 20 years. I'm learning to be a better friend. I'm learning to let people in. I'm learning to trust. I pray you do as well. It's hard. Because that person that you are going to let in, that person that you are going to trust, that person you're going to grow to love, that person is going to hurt you. It's not if, it's when. But God didn't say you're supposed to have perfect relationships. That's something that we are to look forward to, that's the hope that we have. Here, while we walk this earth, We are to display Christ. We are to grow closer together. We are to trust one another. We are to be vulnerable to each other. And when we sin against each other, we are to forgive one another. Yesterday was a beautiful day. And I I got to cut the grass finally for the first time since last fall. And so... I benefited from that got some vitamin D I needed a tan and I needed some time to think so I got on my lawnmower I was cutting the grass weed eating afterward one thing I love about physical labor especially as I'm preparing for a sermon it it just I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking my sermon was already pretty much done, but I felt like it just needed something else. I was like, "Man, it's just missing something. I, I need a, I need something to add." And I, I, I can't sit in front of a computer screen for too much longer, and because you know, you just, you're just brain locked, you know, not really thinking of anything. So, started cutting the grass, and I was inspired, and I, I, I a poem came to mind from this fast, from this passage, and I entitled this poem the same thing as the title of the sermon Are You My Friend and I want to finish the sermon with this I'm going to try real hard to get through this I told my wife I read it to my wife earlier and I kind of broke down crying because I told her that a lot of this reminds me of her and you know our friendship the good times and the bad times so Forgive me if I'm stalled a little bit. Are you my friend? Are you my friend? Then love me as you love yourself and encourage me to deny myself. Are you my friend? Then be willing to forgive my mistakes and rebuke me with grace. Are you my friend? then don't lose hope in me, but treat me with humility. Are you my friend? Then remember that we share a bond unbreakable, especially when I do the unthinkable. Are you my friend? Then be patient with me as I struggle with sin and help me as I walk through the Lord's discipline. Are you my friend? Then stay when all others want to leave and remember that the Lord is still within me. Are you my friend? Then speak the word of God to my dry bones and remind me that my fragile life is built on the cornerstone. Are you my friend? Lord, help me to be the same friend to you that I'm asking you to be for me as we walk through eternity.